Thanks again for joining us here on the Rare Perspectives podcast, now videocast uh, here via Zoom. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's a podcast by Patient Services Incorporated. Hope you've had a chance to listen to some of our uh, previous episodes. Of course, these videocasts are something new for us, and we're excited to bring our podcast to you in video form. Uh, today, we have a very special guest returning to the Rare Perspectives uh, podcast. Uh, we are just excited to have Lisa Wright joining us. Lisa, how are you today? Doing okay. Yeah. How are you? Doing well. I mean, it's, this has been quite the season. I mean, uh, in life here, how are you? How is your family? What's keeping you busy these days? How are you holding up? It's been a rough year. It has been the season. Um, my family and I are hanging on. Unfortunately, I lost my father to COVID. Um, so it's been a very trying time, very stressful. Um, you know, trying to uh, be supportive to family, but yet distance each other. Yeah. So it's been a very difficult time. Yeah, I, you know, on behalf of PSI, you know, we just, you know, offer condolences and just, you know, with your father and, and, um, and with COVID, um, you know, which is just kind of came all of a sudden, just kind of just, it seemed like it came out of just nowhere and it just kind of intensified, intensified. I mean, that had to have been just hard, especially with the distancing and not being able to be with each other. You know, what's, what's um, how, how have you been able to persevere through this and, and, and hang on through this? A lot of relying on God because it's been hard. You know, I've, I dealt with the issue of feeling bad for not seeing him. Yeah. I you know, see him getting sick. And then once he got sick, you know, I couldn't see him. It was hard even after he passed away because he lived in New York and New York was overcrowded as far as handling the body. Yeah. And so we have a traditional funeral. Mm. So dealing with it, it was very hard. You still have some days when it just doesn't seem real. Yeah. You know? Take, it's, a, it's very stressful, it takes a toll on your body, yeah. which affects the way you feel with the Fabry disease. Yeah. So, you know, just trying to persevere through it and, um, you know, just relying on God, but it's, it's a trying time. Yeah, you know, it, it, and it's not only, I could imagine this, you know, is this real, but just, you know, I mean, it just doesn't seem right sometimes, you know, yeah. just having to walk through this and story after story of, just not being able to be with loved ones. And, um, you know, it's uh, just so sorry to hear this. And um, uh, just thank you for being willing, you know, amidst all of this to even be with us here today and uh, to share part of your story. And that's part of your story, you know, as, as, it's, uh, as we walk it out here on planet earth. And I mean, you'd mentioned, you know, Fabre uh, disease. I mean, how has, and we want to get into your story here uh, in, the, in, the, in the next few minutes, but you know, how has all of this impacted like treatment for you? It's very difficult because my parents lived in a different state. Um, so going back, you know, going home to, you know, assist my mother and take care of things, it was hard to try to help them and continue treatment. Yeah. Uh, it made it a lot more stressful because treatments were a little late, either that or you know, I had to trans, um, commu um, commute back to Pennsylvania to my hometown town just to do, you know, the treatments and then try to go back to New York to visit them and to assist them. 
So it made it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. And of course, then too, with your hearts, with, you know, your mom, you know, you're mentioning before we went on, just being alone there and not being able to, to really be there. I mean, it's uh, just a, just a unbelievably, it's just a tragic time. And, and how, how far is that commute for you? Uh, it's about hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. And that, that adds up and, uh, and with the, with the treatment and such. Um, let's get into, you know, we've shared this, you know, if, if, if you are new to Rare Perspectives, uh, we've, we've had the honor of having uh, Lisa on um, previously in our, our uh, podcast. We had a, just an just incredible conversation. We want to revisit some of those uh, questions and just kind of bring you up to speed on, on Lisa's story. And, and uh, Lisa, I'd love if you would uh, be able to share with our audience, tell us a little bit about your diagnosis and, and how you um, were diagnosed and, and when you found out? I got diagnosed uh, soon be approximately five years ago. Um, my sister was diagnosed first. Um, she suggested that I get tested for Fabry's disease. I kind of put it off because at the time, not really having a full understanding about the disease and realizing that it was a genetic disease that at first, just because she had it didn't necessarily mean that I had it because I wasn't displaying any symptoms. But unfortunately, several months later, I started ex um, experiencing some symptoms where um, the muscular pain, neurological pain with my legs, my legs would just give out on me. Um, always have problems with pain in my hand and feet. They started to intensify. But I went to the laundromat one day to wash clothes and there um, my legs just kind of gave out. I fell down and I was trying to get up and they were like wet noodles. <laughs> I could not retain the, the, retain the strength in my legs to stand up. So there I was taken to the hospital. A lot of different tests were run. And at that point, I, find, I decided to finally just go ahead and get tested for the Fabry's disease because they couldn't understand what was causing it. And the test came out positive. How, what, um, and you talk about, you know, the symptoms, you know, I mean, and you were diagnosed five years ago. Is this something that's, that's, you, you've known, but just didn't know what it was throughout your life, uh, back to childhood. And what was, and, and what was that like, you know, something going on, but not knowing what it is. Yeah. It has symptoms all through childhood, um, childhood, teenage, you know, adolescence, growing up, always had symptoms, but the symptoms always got misdiagnosed for something else. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, the inability to um, tolerate the heat. Yeah. So I wasn't sweating. Um, so in the summertime, it would be very difficult to play outside or I would often pass out, never understood what was causing it. You know, the pains in the hands and feet, the doctors would just tell my parents that it was just growing pains. Yeah. The high blood pressure at a young age, well, of course, that's typical among the African-American people. So it always got misdiagnosed as something else, but it wasn't until after I reached my 40s that the symptoms really intensified. And at that point, you know, you realize that this, this Fabry's disease is the reason for all these um, symptoms. Yeah. And that had to have been, I mean, just taking a toll as a child and seeing your friends throughout playing. And, and uh, I think I recall you had shared a story and it's kind of looking out the window at your friends playing and kind of wondering, I mean, what was that experience like? Growing up was hard because I found that due to the heat, 
I couldn't um, interact with my friends as much. You know, the summertime, everybody's outside and they're riding bikes and they're jumping up and down in the heat and they're playing and having a good time. But for some reason, I couldn't seem to tolerate the heat yeah. or I exhausted extremely fast. You know, um, even in gym, going to school, participating in gym, I didn't have the strength that everybody else had. You know, and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't, why I couldn't make it running the laps around the gym or pulling myself up on the rope. Um, never had enough strength in my hands. You know, my feet would always hurt. My legs would start hurting right away. Yeah. So I felt um, left out a lot because um, I just didn't have the energy or the strength that the other kids um, had yeah. in order to go outside and enjoy a simple game. Yeah. You know, tolerance or the pain yeah and then you you know bringing that into adulthood and you know and still not answers i mean what's what kept you going throughout life up until diagnosis you know just you know you're just dealing with that i mean what 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 got you through it just i kept going unfortunately then after a while you just you get used to the symptoms yeah the normal um, you know, living with it all your life, unfortunately, gets to a point where that's all you know. Yeah. You know, you get to the point where you start to feel like the strange person, like, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. Because we've had doctors that say, you know, it's all in your head. Yeah. Uh, and after a while, sometimes you start to believe it. But unfortunately, you do get used to the symptoms. Yeah. As I got older, I just, you know, I decided I was going to keep it moving. Yeah. That the symptoms were whatever the cause was that I wasn't going to let it, let it get me down yeah. you know control over me even though there were some times when it was very trying yeah and then after I started having children I had to fight for my kids yeah I, the symptoms at the time I didn't even know it was a disease but I couldn't let the symptoms overpower me that's right there were times when it took me down for yeah. a couple of days, but, painful. Um, is it pretty extremely extremely painful extremely painful how would you describe the pain when it was at its worst the pain at the worst ugh, excruciating yeah. and um it's what you would call a crisis you yeah. know with intense pain through your legs feet hands arm in your back your stomach even your face would hurt yeah. but the pain was a combination of muscular pain mm. and nervous pains it was a aching pain, but at the same time, it feel like you're being sick with a bunch of needles and pins. Oh. Um, there were some days where just taking a shower yeah. was excruciating because the water in your body was extremely painful. Because it's sustained pain, right? I mean, it's it the crisis and it and how long would these last? Crisis can last anywhere from a day to a week. Wow. And there's just nearly, there was nothing. You just had to endure it. Had to endure it. Yeah. You can take painkillers, but the, the painkillers will like kind of maybe just take the edge off. Yeah. But you know, over the counter um, painkillers would just take the edge off. It was just a matter of just riding it out. Yeah. And what you said there, I mean, it's, you know, you just had to keep it moving. Right. You know, what? you know how would you describe what that looks like you know keeping it moving i love it. it's like it's like a great hashtag you know i love it it's like we're gonna we're, we're following lisa right here and it's all about we're going to talk about keeping it moving i love it but how what does that look like uh, for me i feel like 
when I stop, um, I give in to the pain. Yeah. Um, and even though it's, the pain is sometimes so intense that you can't get up and keep it moving, you know, you have some time to really take you down when you really do just have to lay in bed and try to take care of yourself. But I feel like for me that if I, um, what I call submit to the pain and just lay there, um, I, I just leave myself open to feel every single thing. And to um, it seems as if the pain gets worse. Yeah. yeah. So I try to push myself and just keep my joints and stuff active. Mm -hmm. and not freeze up. Because I did do that one time. You know, I kind of um, took it easy and didn't do, literally just like stop doing things because it was too painful to do. Yeah. But I really get more damage that way because it's almost like your body starts to stiffen up and it kind of makes the symptoms worse. Wow. Wow. Even in pain, you got to keep your body, you know, moving. Yeah. Um, either way, it's going to be painful. Yeah, you just gotta, yeah, breath by breath, you know, and and, and get through that. Um, wow. Now, with in, in in talking and sharing about that, you know, maybe just share with our audience just kind of what what is Fabre? I mean, explain to us what's going on uh, with Fabre disease. It's a genetic disease, and Fabry's disease is when your body does not pr produce enough enzymes mm -hmm. to break down the fats in your cells. Mm -hmm. Therefore, after several years, um, the this become a buildup in your system, in your cells, mm -hmm. which starts affecting your GI system. It starts affecting your heart. It affects your nervous system. That's where the, the neuropathy pain comes in at with your hands and feet. Mm. Uh, Start affecting your brains, but it starts taking a, a toll on your organs. Wow. And and how many? I mean, is there a number as far as how many uh, people have been diagnosed with Fabry? Um, there have been a lot of people diagnosed with Fabry. Really, yeah. Probably over thirty thousand. Thirty thousand. So we're talking, you know, we're talking rare disease here, and you know, you get diagnosed. Uh, there's a good chance that there's not not every not every doctor knows about no. that disease. So you had to do some real self-education in doing a lot of your own research. You know, what was it, how, how soon was that apparent to you that, wow, I'm going to have to really, I mean, we would do that anyway. If we get diagnosed with anything, we, we naturally want to learn and grow about it. But when you are, I mean, did you experience any time where you're meeting with doctors and you're like, they didn't really know much about what it was? From the start. Because yeah. even diagnosed with the Fabry's disease. I tried to go to my doctors locally where I lived at, um, and nobody knew what Fabry's disease was. What is that? You know, I even had my primary care doctor say, you know, I told him I want to be tested for Fabry's. You know, my sister has it. I, I understand now that it's genetic and it's a possibility I may have it. His first question to me is, what is that? And then I came to him at the time, and I didn't know much about it. Um, what Fabry's disease was, then he turned to me and said, you don't have that. Wow. It's like, okay, well, which one is it? You, you want to know what it is? Yeah. But diagnose it. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, a lot of doctors didn't know. And I think I've went to maybe four or five doctors. Huh. Where nobody knew what it is. They didn't know what to do. Um, so I eventually just went to um, Mount Sinai Hospital yeah. in New York City. Yeah. Uh, I told and I was like, where did you go to get tested? So I just went to the same place where she went and had to do a genetic test. Mm -hmm. Wow. And soon, 
soon after that too, once you had gotten the diagnosis, you were actually, you were moving at the time, you know, once after diagnosis. And so you were moving to a different state. And so that had to have some, some just logistical challenges as well, sort of finding someone that knows about what it is and then going somewhere else. I mean, what was that experience like for you? It was horrible when it first started. Yeah, yeah. I diagnosed a few months before moving. Again, um, like you mentioned, when I got diagnosed, I was in the process of having a home built in another state. Yeah. I started my treatments in New York. Once I got my diagnosis, I would commute back and forth from um, Queens to Manhattan to get my treatments. Yeah. And once I started getting comfortable with that, it was time for me to move to another state. Yeah. And unfortunately, the transition wasn't easy yeah. because where I thought the doctors in New York and um, really didn't know anything about Fabry's disease, I found it to be worse mm. when I was in Pennsylvania. Wow. Uh, to the point where I literally had to commute two hours away to find a doctor that knew something about Fabry's disease. And it took about maybe four or five weeks to get the whole process going. So I missed treatments in the, in the meantime. And I realized then how much the, um, the enzyme replacement treatment was helping. Yeah. Sometimes you don't realize how well it's helping you until you stop, until you miss a couple of doses. Sure. Replacement therapy treatment is done every two weeks. So I missed a total of two treatments. Wow. Able to find a doctor and get set up in Pennsylvania. And there I went into another pain crisis. Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, you know, we talk about, you know, finally getting a diagnosis and having like this peace of mind of like knowing, okay, this is what it is. But then that opens up a whole nother set of questions, you know, cause you find out, okay, well, I mean, how does it infect affected my entire family, you know, and you start wondering about your kids and so you have that side of it as well. But then you also look at, okay, there's treatment. And then you look at the price tag of treatment. Yes. I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, so let's start with the, you know, uh, the, the, the cost of treatment and, and that had to been absolutely unbelievably overwhelming uh, to when you saw that. I was, I never felt so out of control and lost in my life because I was, it was a mad, once I found out how much the treatment was, you're, you're looking at 80,000 80, or more a month. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, you know, do I take care of myself and try to do treatments or do I try to pay a mortgage? Yeah. Like, what do you, you know, yeah. it's a hard choice. Like, which one do you do? I had yeah. no idea. Treatment was so expensive. Yeah. That the insurance wouldn't cover everything. Yeah. You know, even if, even with a certain percentage that I was responsible for, yeah. it was economical, the amount. Yeah. You know? But that was very stressful. You know, I just felt so lost. And I got to a point where I felt hopeless. Like, this is this is not going to work out. You know? This is going to be something that it's like, this is the rest of my life. Right. I'm taking this the rest of my life. And every two weeks. Yeah. You just, there is no recovery time. You yeah. know, because at this point, I'm on disability. You know, a lot had changed since the time I started building a home to the time I moved in. Yeah. You know? Sure. Now, the pain, the pain just hit me so hard at one time that I was unable to work. So now I'm on disability. Now I have a mortgage. I have kids. Are the kids going to be affected by it? Yeah. How am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to take care of myself? How am I going to feed 
um, it was it was overwhelming. Absolutely, I, I yeah, you know, I mean, we hear that story over and over again, and and then somehow how it works out, you got connected with PSI, and how how did that connection happen, and how is that um, how has that been um, a support to you? It has been a support and a true blessing. One of the uh, the Genzyme representatives, um, I had expressed to them my concerns. And they asked me, well, have you gotten in touch with PSI? And I never heard of PSI. Um, and Gen the Genzyme rep is the, um, is the one that makes the Fabrizyme, the treatment. They told me to get in touch with the, the PSI, the PSI office, um, you know, help. Um, which is now hope. <laughs> so um, I got the information and I contacted PSI and I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed and relieved at the assistance that they offer you know, for those situations with rare diseases with astronomical expensive treatments. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's so that's that's been and that's where we, you know we had met. I remember we were in Washington D.C. You and your sister, and it was a hot. That was a hot afternoon. You know we were on that deck and you know the capitol building was there and just you know was so moved and just so honored to meet both of you and um just just so thankful to have you in my life you know just when we do get a chance to chat or or, or anything i always come away just such a richer person and just appreciate you so much and thankful for that time we all got to meet um but that's been a huge connection and, and, and psi has been a it's it's been a real uh really a lifeline you know and in some cases there uh, to be able to meet you where you are and and it's it's such an honor uh for us to just walk along with you and just be a part of team lisa thank you <laughs> yeah, absolutely well, let's talk about the family um you know you you know you, your sister is diagnosed and then you you get tested you get diagnosed and then you got to be thinking okay this can run in the family here and you're thinking about your kids and just walk us through how has this you know how are your you know how are your kids and and how um has this impacted your family as a whole my children thank god are okay i yeah. had them immediately once i got diagnosed actually even before i started my treatment yeah. i got diagnosed and i'm thankful that i did not pass it on to them mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately it is a genetic disease so in my immediate family, we realized that it came from my mother. Yeah. And all, and all my siblings have it as well. Mm -hmm. so my sister and two of my brothers have the, um, the disease. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother passed it on to his daughter. Mm -hmm. So she has it as well. And so far, so far, one of her children as well has been diagnosed with it. Wow. But because you have been diagnosed and, and, and your sister and the education and the knowledge that you've gained through this, though, I mean, I would imagine it's all about, you know, getting tested and, yeah. and knowing that there is, there is a path. Uh, there is hope. There that's that's got to be helpful. It is because um, there was some, you know, even in my immediate family, some of them didn't, you, you don't want to face it right away. Yeah. You know? kind of put off being tested you know but educating myself about it is very important to me because it got frustrating to to get sick to go to the hospital and nobody understood yeah what I had. so i realized that i had to educate myself so i can explain to them what the disease is and give them an idea of what i'm dealing with yeah because 
kind of way nobody wants to treat you because they don't know or they want don't treat you properly. Yeah. The same thing as far as the family is concerned. You educate yourself so you explain to them yeah. uh, what the disease is, you know, what to look out for, um, and to kind of educate them, you know, on how important it is to get tested yeah. because you can't understand something that you don't know. That's whether right almost all the doctors uh, and that's when I decided you know there was a point when I started I started to let the disease get me down but I decided I was like no you, you got to take care of yourself yeah. and the best person to trust is yourself that's right so educate myself about the disease so that I can explain to others so that they can help that's rather right. than, rather than just walking away because they're unable to help me because they don't know what the um, disease is yeah I mean, you have, um, you know, you tell them Fabry and they tell you something else. You mean fibroids? No, I don't have fibroids. It's Fabry. Fabry. <laughs> you know. So Absolutely. You yeah. You to get them an idea. Um, spell it out. Get them an idea of what the disease is. Yeah. Um, get some type of help. Mm. And, uh, but to be able to, to know it and, you know, just to have that diagnosis and to know um that i mean what was it like as as a mom when you found out that your it wasn't passed on to your to your children that had to have been out of all of this one of the biggest this is a mom take us into that i mean it had to have been just excruciating waiting but also just so relieving and just i, I think it took about 10 days to get the results yeah. um, those were the the longest and the hardest 10 days of my life. My heart felt so heavy. I felt guilty without even knowing yeah. what the results were for the kids mm. that I didn't want to pass it on to them. Because now I realize, you know, what was wrong, um, what was wrong and that it went back from childhood and I started evaluating, you know, all the symptoms or the illnesses that my children had when they were, you know, as they were growing up. Yeah. Thank God they wasn't that sick, but I still, that fear yeah. um, after those 10 days felt like 10 years. Absolutely. Uh, the relief um, of finding out that they were negative. It was like three bodies was lifted off of me. I was carrying a lot of weight on my shoulders. Oh, my goodness. And probably took a few days to kind of, you yes. know, I mean, it was just a, being a mom and, and yeah. just carrying the burdens of your children. Um, wow. I mean, that had been incredible. Um, you know, with, with uh, treatment now and, and, and being able to get that and seeing the impact of that, how has that affected your life um, from where it was pre-diagnosis and treatment to where you are now? Is it, uh, how's, how's it changed uh, life for you? Quite a bit. Um, I mean, the, the damage that the uh, Fabrice has done is irreversible. It's not going to change whatever damage I have. It's not going to change the muscular pain. Yeah. It's the, the neuropathy, um, but it slows down the process. You know, I have some issues with the heart. Um, it's not going to make it better, but it slows down the process as far as it getting worse. Okay. You feel better. I've, I've noticed that now um, the heat intolerance is still difficult, but I'm able to sweat a little bit. Where oh, it is yeah. Yeah. Um, so therefore, you know, the heat will build up in your body and you that's what the passing out was about. Because 
Uh, one of the symptoms with the Fabry's disease is that you have intolerance to it. Your body can't seem to regulate the heat. Hmm. So I can, it's still difficult, especially in the summertime, because I feel that I get more sicker or more swollen in the summertime dealing with the heat. But um, at least I'm starting to sweat more to release the heat. Yeah. It's almost like a cleansing. When you have the enzyme, the treatment, the enzyme goes in through IV, and so it's going in and it's breaking down all those um, fats in the cells that your body just is not doing naturally. Yeah. It's, it's kind of tiring for the first two days. Yeah. The day of treatment and the day after, it really wipes me out. Yeah. Um, but then after that, I feel, I feel different. Mm. Um, the pain is a little lighter, yeah. I guess, because now the body is doing what it's supposed to do. Sure. And after, after about five or six days, you, I guess when the enzyme starts wear it off you can feel it in your system where you're starting to become sluggish again yeah. where um, the cells are starting to the fat in the cells are starting to build back up yeah and when, when i go to the fabry meeting they use the terminology as like taking out the trash mm. every two weeks you got to take the trash out to get your enzyme re replacement therapy it kind of the system but you know after a while you, you feel it when it starts building back up again yeah uh -huh. Breathing, the way you feel, the tiredness, the aches, the pains, you know. But as I go and as I learn about Fabry's disease and how it affects my body and different organs, you also got to learn how to take care of yourself. Yeah. To minimize some of the symptoms. Sure. Because certain things that you can do, overexertion is one of them. Yeah. That makes it worse. Yeah. And you're getting uh, treatment every two weeks. Every two weeks, yes. So you know when it starts, you know, feeling sluggish again, and so it seems like it's like it just it's kind of managing, you know. Okay, okay, this is this is I'm starting to feel sluggish. I know I've got treatment here, but just knowing what you can do about for yourself, right? Right. So with the Fabry's disease, even though you want to keep it moving, you do have to pace yourself because mm -hmm. uh, if you overexert yourself, you're gonna pay for it later in pain. Yeah. You know, you have to your body. Um, if I'm out in the heat too much, I'm going to pay for it later because then I, I realize that the heat brings on a, a, a pain, a, fit, a fabric crisis with the pain. Um, you can't do too much walking, too much lifting. So it is kind of confined. Yeah. But confined. I, yeah. You know, you have to your limitations. Yeah. I love what you're saying though. I mean, you talk about keep, keep it, keep it moving, but you got to pace yourself. You got to know, I, we've been talking, I've got a mantra in my life. It's keep, uh, keep moving forward. You know, um, you know, and I, I came out of the ER in August of uh, 2017, had some issues and, you know, I knew it was, it was time for me to get, get working on some things and it was to keep moving forward, but that didn't mean that, you know, <laughs> I'm in a full on sprint, right? The sense of urgency, but you got to know yourself and your body and, and educate yourself and just you keep moving forward, keep it moving. But you know, we want to be smart about it too, right? Correct. Yeah. We, we've all learned. I'm sure that we've learned the hard way, right? Just, oh, I'm feeling good. From experience, you know, yeah. once you do something one time, you realize the next time I got to do this a little differently. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you had um, coming out, just a few more questions for us. Uh, for you today and just so appreciate your time um you know and getting diagnosed and just being just a, a, a maybe thirty thousand people i mean 
were you able to, outside of family, connect with others? Absolutely. That have that, and and uh, boy, what was that connection like? That had to have been just a real strength for you. Very strengthening because again, um, growing up from childhood, even as an adult, there was a lot of times when I felt isolated. Yeah. I felt I felt different from everybody else. You know, I don't care if it was um, cousins or friends or you know co-workers I always felt different because I feel like I never can do what everybody else was doing yeah or I or because I was feeling bad why was I feeling this way and nobody else was seeming to experience this mm. um, everybody likes to um, be around people who understand and the first fabric meeting that I went to and I met so many people who had the same um, symptoms yeah you know, who said, oh, I know what you're talking about, or I know how you feel. Do you, you know, do you experience this? Do you experience that? And you can get somebody that actually have experienced the same thing, that understand what you mean, that don't look at you like you're crazy, yeah. or that you're over, you're overreacting because you want attention, or the doctors can tell you that it's all in your head. You don't feel like you're all alone. Yeah. You know, that feeling of being isolated and feeling weird as I was growing up, even until adulthood, I lost, I mean, the day that I met others who had Fabry's disease, that day, I lost that feeling. It was, wow. it was such a relief just to know that there's somebody else that understands. Yeah. I'm not happy that they're going through it as well, but to know that you're not alone in it. That's right. That's right. And then to get the diagnosis just five years ago, I mean, you've lived a lot of your life you know, battling that. Yeah. And, and then to have that has got to be just like a, it's like a, just a, just a renewal, of, you know, of this, this is this new life that you get to, that you're experiencing. But yet, you know, what are some of the lessons that you've learned over time, you know, that, that you like to share with others, perseverance and, 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 and just, you know, making it through, getting, battling each day. I mean, what are some things that you like to share with people to, to just lessons that you've learned that have helped you get through it? Well, like I said before, the, like you said, the perseverance yeah. is open. Yeah. And the, the biggest thing, Ghana, is not to give up. I'm a fighter. Yeah. And if there's something that I believe in, I'm going to fight. Yeah. For myself. And there have been times when you just felt like giving up. When you yeah. feel like you're fighting a battle and you're the only person, you know, you you stand alone, like you don't have a team of people to fight with you because you just feel like an outcast. Yeah. That you just got to keep going. And it's easier said than done. But I kept telling myself, I got to keep going. There's going to be light at the end of this tunnel. I mean, one day this is going to be figured out. There has to be a, a reason why, yeah. you know. That was something my mother always said to us when we were growing up that things happen for a reason yeah and sometimes it, it may not be a reason that you understand but it happened for a reason and one day it will be figured out yeah so persevere keep moving forward yeah. you, know, you got to try to stand strong and, and and um stay strong and um take take your stand you know for if not for anybody else for yourself you know, um, don't let the disease overpower you. Sometimes the symptoms will, but I'm determined not to give in to Fabry's disease. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, it's, it's, it's something that is, will not and has not defined you. It has not. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's a lot, it's a lot easier to, to, you know, to shine the light that's much different than just being the light and just doing your, just, just keep moving forward. Um, I knew know. how I felt growing up. You know, I remember how I felt the isolation, the feeling alone. So now I feel like if there's anybody the, who I can be encouraging to, you know, if it's just a, a brief, you know, conversation at a meeting with somebody else to have Fabry's disease, you know, um, to encourage them or just to give them a pat on the back. Um, I have become friends with a lot of people who have Fabry's disease from 10 years old to, uh, you know, to people in their 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, it's comforting and it helps people to talk to somebody that knows what they're going through. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and faith has played a part. You're speaking with faith in God. I mean, how has that uh, helped you through? You have to rely on a higher source. Yeah. Because there are days you definitely need the strength physically, you know, even mentally and emotionally. But I've, I've learned to just rely on God and I, I pray all the time. You know, to, to give me the strength to pray for others that we you know we, that we make it you know, through this disease, you know, and that everybody stay strong. Yeah, stay strong. Um, Lisa, one final question, you know, and again, thank you, thank you for sharing your story. Um, we are honored to again, Team Lisa. We're honored to be with you and your family, and just absolutely. We send our love to your family, and again, our our condolences with the loss of your father. And we'll be you know, keeping keeping your mom in our thoughts and prayers as well. And just hopefully, we'll all be able to be together uh, soon, sooner rather than later. Um, what would you like to say to our audience that may be a, a rare disease, chronic illness patient, maybe not? Someone just kind of stumbled upon this podcast or video. You know, we're going through, I mean, I hate to use this word because it's used so much right now, but it really is unprecedented times here on planet Earth. And um, from, you know, what we've experienced with uh, COVID-19 until even, you know, George Floyd and just the tragedy. So many people are just experiencing so much right now. It's the heaviness and, and burdens and so many things. And I know each one of those is a conversation in itself. But you, collectively, though, we're feeling the heaviness of it. What would you like to say and, and, and incur, how would you like to encourage our, our, our listeners, our viewers that are right now in the midst of this? I would like to encourage them by tell them there is hope. Yeah. You know, like you said, the times that we're living in, you feel hopeless after a while. You feel like there's so much going on in this, this particular year and so much that we're dealing with that is laying heavy on your hearts, that is literally taking a toll on people. Um, but I, there's hope out there. You know, you feel like there's no end to it, that things will not get better, but things will get better. You just have to hang in there and persevere. Uh, again, easier said than done, but try to just rely on God. There's definitely a higher source, but I always know that there's, there's hope. Yeah, that things will get better and that there's help out there. Yeah, amen, amen. And so true. And to keep moving forward, you know, and we were talking earlier about, you know, you know, almost people talking about almost in a jokingly way. I mean, 2020 is going to, is a year of vision, right? 2020 vision. But, you know, who knew that, you know, we've got to, <laughs> we got to turn our eyeballs around on ourselves 
and our own hearts and our own lives and just to be able to rethink, relearn and just really, really almost take like a, an audit of our own lives right now. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and, uh, but together, hopefully we become stronger, we become humbler, we become wiser through all of this. And, and, uh, learn from the experiences that we've been, um, the things that's been happening in 2020, we got to learn from it. You know, the things that we take for granted, um, how fast life can be taken away from us, you know, whether it's by the disease or if it's by abuse, the way people are being killed. Um, we, we take too much for granted and we really have to rely on the higher source and do some self-evaluation, yeah. you know. How is this going to affect us? How can I become a better person? And what can I do to help others? Yeah, absolutely. We got to do that first before we start expecting that from others, right? <laughs> we got it. I love what you're saying there. I had read a book. There was a quote on this. We always take for granted everything that was never guaranteed. Exactly. And it's really that next breath. Mm -hmm. You know, life is short. Appreciate now and continue to grow. And, and uh, Lisa, you are a bright light. Thank you. you. You make this world a brighter place to be in. And uh, I know that you have made my life brighter just in the times that we've been able to connect. You've made us brighter at PSI. Um, your light is bright and it shines and you, you are hope. You are more than a diagnosis. You know, you are a powerhouse and, um, and such a, just a beautiful spirit. And, and we just absolutely love you and thank you for sharing with us um, your story. We are all the more richer because of you being with us here today. Likewise, I appreciate you guys, you and PSI. Well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, uh, thank you for joining us here on Rare Perspectives here in the audience. We invite you to to listen to our previous episodes. Uh, you can find us on social media, YouTube, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, write a review, share it with your friends and your network, and maybe even share it with a doctor. You know, we, we might be able to, to bring more into the understanding here of what we're talking about today and shine a light on some just amazing voices and people um, uh, in not only the rare disease community, chronic illness community, but the world so much we're all in this together rising tide lifts all boats thanks for joining us lisa thank you thank you gonna you've been listening to rare perspectives a podcast by patient services incorporated to learn more about the work of psi please visit patientservicesinc.org a special shout out to chris patoyo for sharing his music with us we also want to invite you to subscribe to rare perspectives on itunes or wherever you might be listening you can also tell us what you think by writing a review. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to you joining us next time when we go beyond the diagnosis and explore the heart of the experience.